This is Hallway Digressions, laughs, rants, and musings on life and culture from the Lakewood Park Bible Department. Welcome to Holloway Digressions. I am Mr. Johnson. Along with me, as always, Mr. D and Mr. Slofer. Gentlemen, do you know what episode this is? Ten? This is ten. We have wow. hit double digits. Nice. I know. I know. I know. I feel Holloway like Digressions we... X, right? X. Ooh. So, well, yeah. that's let me make a note of that for the title. <laughs> There this we is go. the beginning of the X-Files for Hallway Digressions. <laughs> Double digits, I think it means something. I, I, I think it indicates that we've been around for a while and we're, we're here to stay for a while as well. We, I think we maybe accrued a certain level of radio wisdom. I think our voice has achieved a new level of, um, uh, I don't know, having arrived, perhaps. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Do you the guys feel that? Is- yeah. The question is, do we have as many listeners as we have episodes? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of speaking of Roman numerals, yes. I mean, do we have any more uh, uh, international listeners? Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to chalk it up to um, folks coming out of COVID mm. and uh, countries reopening over in the... Uh, the great continent of Europe. Um, but unfortunately, no, we have topped out at three. We've got UK, <laughs> we've got Germany, and we've got France. Um, scratch that, not France, Italy. Italy. Germany, UK, and Italy. Uh, those are the three that we've tapped into, but I think... Buongiorno. With, buongiorno. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds good. That sounds real authentic. I was uh, and say, it is I authentic. Mean, it comes from. Uh, I can get it like an accordion, maybe, and we can like have. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna see if I can get some, uh, maybe some accordion padding for our intro this week. Okay, light. so that that means Nick needs a unicycle, and uh, <laughs> or a baguette if you want. That'll work too. So. <laughs> In a day of oh, cultural boy. sensitivity. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna let you down on that no no bless you bless you so yeah unfortunately um we've not we've not grown but um in our countries but i think our reaches let me let me just do some quick investigation while while we're here and talking about it um but as i'm doing such our estimated audience size is increasing still um Mrs. E's episode was one of the top, and so maybe she's able to bring in some some good listenership. Um, She's back next week, then. Yeah, I think so. All right, now check this out, guys. This is interesting. Okay, we have seventeen percent of our listeners coming from New Jersey. Hey, hey, hey so hey. the D Dominicos oh, yeah. out in New Jersey. Hey, thank you. Hey. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, <laughs> Get yourself up in the <laughs> Gabagool on it. <laughs> I don't know do what pot. Gabagool is, but this is I like uh, it. pot 10. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, real Italians call it Capicola, but for some reason, I always thought that was wrong. <laughs> 
Like, you know, you guys don't know what you're talking about because in Jersey, Jersey Italian is all mangled and uh, it becomes gabagool. So how capicola goes to gabagool, I don't know, but that's what it is. You are, like, you're the definitive authority on it. Mozzarella is mozzadella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's all these words that uh, are radically different. And for some reason, Jersey Italian like cuts off the end of the word. I don't know. But, and and then uh, could we say in Jersey they've they've been dealing with the cannoli virus, right? It's not really the. Uh, <laughs> the <laughs> hey. The cannolis, all right. We want no connection between. That's, uh, that's crossing the line, Brett. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I I I hated on cannoli earlier, but we just got some from. Um, I think B Antonio's was it B Antonio's? Oh, they racked the cannolis at B Antonio's. I huh? I, th I think really? I think it was maybe, but it was good. All right, so my okay. I, I where I first got cannoli was uh Salvatore's. Is that how you say? Yeah, it? Yeah, over in okay, Chicago. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 it, it's here maybe in town. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, uh, here in town. I think it's called, maybe it's just Salvatore's or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Salvatore's. Yeah, they just, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, they, yeah. We, we got cannoli from there. I was like, ooh, you know, I, I don't know if it was their attempt at, uh, what's that? Oh, ter like tiramisu, you know, oh, yeah. I, I just uh, can't stand that stuff. And uh, so it reminded me of that. So I'm like, oh, cannoli is bad. But then we got cannoli from uh, the Antonio's and it was, it was good. So yeah. No, Antonio's does high-quality stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they do. But it's, uh, Sandra D's in Auburn is one of the best Italian restaurants in, around. Really? Good to know. Yeah, down near the Brown House. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, great cannoli. Oh, the tiramisu is to die for. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. No, I can't. I, see, I, I hate coffee. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, so I can't. Ter that's that's I, I, well, yeah, it is because you know I and I'll tell you, we went to uh, Cork and Cleaver. This was like the last time we went there. Um, this was when we had money, and we went there and <laughs> we got we got tiramisu. We Brit neither Brittany or I knew what tiramisu really was, but we saw it. It was huge. It's like yeah. this huge, and it looked amazing, like chocolate cream, like desserts. You know, wonder wonderful stuff and uh we bite into it and it's like a uh, coffee so, uh, <laughs> so we didn't we didn't finish it <laughs> coffee runs deep in our house and I'm sure yeah. yours too nick yeah. so uh gentlemen i don't i don't want to leave any of our followers out here so if i may new jersey comes in second to indiana but check this out tied for third place ohio michigan and virginia Okay. Okay. I don't know if we have any familial ties in those states, so that just must be good radio doing its work. Yeah. Oh, you know uh, the, Virginia. The proof in the pudding. Isn't Virgi Ewing's Ewing's family? Virginia was Mrs. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm and, sure and that you we have to. Them. You have to travel through <laughs> Ohio to get to Virginia in here, so Ohio is uh, Mrs. E as well. So yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Just because they pass I, through the state. Brett, don't sell us short here. We're we're doing something beautiful. <laughs> And then tied for fourth place, Florida, Illinois, North Carolina, Nebraska, Oregon, and Tennessee. What? Huh. Wow. This is crazy. You can't make that up. No. So. Or can you? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, um, you know what? I think hard work, diligence, commitment, yeah. commitment to the trade, uh, it pays off. 
it pays off. Who says that we are bound to Northeast Indiana? We are not, gentlemen. That's right. Um, well, hey, let's uh, let's get into some content because that's what people listen to us for. Uh, they want to know uh, what we're thinking, what we're doing with life, and uh, let's let's dive into the the holidays as of late, Father's Day. Um, anything special happened in your home? Any were you were you placed upon any sofa pedestal in your home? <laughs> did did your kids uh, listen to every beck and call and and gladly with joy? Praise your name for your your toil your toil and, and selflessness in your commitment to your homes. Did you guys experience any of that? <laughs> uh, I had a uh, well, uh, pretty much an outdoor uh, throne given to me. So Ooh. it was a nice uh, gravity chair. So Ooh. yeah, yeah, nice. My wife said you're never gonna buy this for yourself, so she bought it for me. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, what it's is basically a gravity like a recliner chair? for the backyard. So yeah, yeah. Oh. oh man, they're good. They're good. Really? We've got one. We've got one, and they they are good on the lumbar. Yeah. Um, so it's what's like it made out of. Like what? What's the material? Is it like a? It's like a mesh. It, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. nice. But it reclines in such a way. Like think of like sitting in your chair, oh, but yeah. like placed backwards. Huh. Okay. Google it later. Okay, <laughs> so kind of like a dentist type chair, a little bit, but made out of mesh. Kind of, yes. yeah. Maybe a little bit better too. Yeah, I leaned yeah. back in that, and my eyes like rolled back in my head. And yes, I went back to sleep. Well, almost went to sleep right then. So ah, delightful at the dentist office or in there in your gravity chair. <laughs> if you're at the dentist office, you got to have the you look up and the things for the kit, you know, yeah, right. like yeah. posters from the highlights yeah. magazine, you know. <laughs> Oh, remember those <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah now brett how about you mm. well uh what did we do we um so Brittany went to uh her parents <clears throat> we we've we, we kind of started this thing but you see we try to have rules uh for holidays and stuff like that and for the longest time the the, the rule was well since it's father's day then that would mean you know, the kids are with me, my kids are with me, you know, kind wow. of a thing. And so, yeah, yeah. so, um, she went to go be with her dad. And, uh, so my kids were with me and so, oh yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm just buying time. Cause I couldn't remember what we did. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we went out to, uh, to lunch and we went to, uh, Longhorn. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that, that was pretty good. And my, my dad and mom were there and my, uh, younger sister and, uh, her husband, and they're, they're two kids, they're two girls. And so, yeah, so we went there. And uh, other than that, we spent some time at home. Uh, they got me a lot of t-shirts. Uh, this is one of them. So they got me a lot of like video game. Uh, I have another one. It's great. I, I can't wait to wear it. I'll, I'll be proud of it. Uh, it's uh, another Mario shirt and it says first world problems. And it has him on the very, you know, the very first level, the very first mushroom getting, you know, oh. killed and he's like flying in the air, you know, and I mean, you can hear the picture, you know, the whole, you know, so uh, yeah, I got one of those. I got one with, uh, <laughs> with uh, Hey Hey on it from uh, oh, Moana. Cause I, I, I just think Hey Hey is funny. And, yeah. uh, and it says dad life got me like, Hey, Hey. And you know, he's all crazy looking on it, you know, with the, the eyes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Got that. I got a, uh, a knife. Uh, they got me another Ooh. pocket knife that, uh, 
Uh, Brittany got that for me. It has uh, a message. She had it engraved, and it's uh, one of those spring um, assisted ones, which I have a lot of switch blades, but this is an actual spring assist. I don't have a spring assisted one. So, okay. so that's pretty nice. Yeah, I kind of like collecting knives. So sure, yeah, sure, sure. Bad thing. <laughs> so does it? did she engrave like, uh, and the hilt of the blade? was stuck in his fat no. until the dung came out, you know, something like that. A little, <laughs> little no, shout out to Ehud. It, <laughs> so it just, uh, no, it was just uh, on the, the handle. Uh, so yeah, on the, on the hand, it's just like a little folding pocket knife. And uh, so, yeah. It sounds like casual Friday is going to be a good day for you when we're back in, yeah, in yeah, session. I, I've got yeah. shirts. Yes, you're Between right. the shirts and the blades. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> casual Friday. I'm allowed to bring my knife, right? Yeah. 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 No, it was just on the handle. And since it's a spring assisted, she just had it engraved uh, 911 on there so I can remember, <laughs> you know, who to call when I'm in trouble or cutting myself. <laughs> When you cut yourself with that spring assisted <laughs> Yes, right, exactly. Or it opens up in my pants or something. You know, I'm just so. so it's a good gift. Yeah. Next Father's Day, a tourniquet. <laughs> oh, how about right. you, Luke? Well... Well, hey, well done, Brett, that Father's Day is spent with the kids for you. I, I know many fathers probably try to get away from their kids. Well, I didn't say I enjoyed it. I'll just okay, <laughs> let me let me finish. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, yeah, so I, <laughs> I was uh, telling Nick while we were waiting uh, for you to log on that Josh had his tonsils and adenoids taken out this mm. last week. It was on That's Friday, funny. so... Uh, Father's so Father's Day was awesome <laughs> to have to have that. So I got the opportunity to love and serve my my four year old who was whining and sick and hurting the whole time. But on the positive note, because it wasn't that bad, Lisa got up early with them and they went out and got donuts and coffee for me when I got out of bed. Wow. And then, uh, have you guys heard of missionalware.com? I've heard of missional the term, but no, not okay. Yeah, sure. So, um, so if I could shout out to what I hope is going to be our next sponsor, Missional Wear. This, this one's pro bono, Missional Wear, just showing that we're going to hold up our end of the deal here. Um, but uh, missionalwear.com has a ton of great reformed memorabilia. So they got, I've got this nice um, glass. Uh, <laughs> it's a pint glass for a pint of water. And it's got, of course. Yeah, of course <laughs> Um, <laughs> reformed <laughs> right and it's got charles spurgeon's uh face on it i've got a nice charles spurgeon that's awesome uh long sleeve shirt uh that i've worn i've worn here and there but it shrunk more than i anticipated so i don't wear it too often <laughs> to keep kids from seeing my midriff but i did wear it out um i did, I did wear it out to target one time and uh, the cashier was this uh older lady and she looks at it and she goes, is that St. Nick? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I had the great opportunity to, yeah. to testify to Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. Mm. And so all that to say, Lisa got me. I've been wanting some coasters because uh, I just never know where to sit my coffee or my tea. Or um, your Charles 
Spurgeon Stein. <laughs> Stein, yes, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, Green so nice water, water cup. Uh, my, my water cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, now I will say, uh, sidebar here, it is, uh, I, I firmly believe in hospitality and honoring your guests when they come into your home. And so if you ever come into my home, I will, I will adorn you with the Charles Spurgeon glass. Wow. Mm. Even my mind. I'm gonna stop. Let's come Is back. Is it gonna Let's be clean? Back. Like, uh, oh, it'll be clean. Yeah, it'll. It's just sitting on your desk, and you just bring it into me. Right? <laughs> yeah. A little bit of coffee in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Thank you. Um, my, my pop tastes like tiramisu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now we do wash our stuff, and um, so yeah, so we have uh, coasters, some nice coasters that have the uh, the solas, um, the five solas of the Reformation. Not on solo. Not solos. Uh, Not solo solos. Cups. Okay, solo cups. So, <laughs> I see what you did there. And, and <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, Dr. Burris, if you're listening, um, we're just kidding. All right. Let us go. We're just kidding. Um, <laughs> boy, we have digressed. We've lived yes. up to our namesake. Right. It's episode 10. Come on. Episode 10. Yeah. We're, we're, uh, we're, we're in, I mean, we've got tenure at this point, so you can't touch us. That's what, that's what this is. Mm. <laughs> so, so good, good. Well, Hey fellas, um, in order to maximize the rest of our time, um, let's, uh, let's dive in. Um, let's dive into our main event for today. Uh, as we maybe talk about a little bit, an article that came out from Christianity today, and this, uh, this was brought to our attention from, uh, from the great Mrs. D. And so, uh, Nick, oh. would you, uh, you want to maybe just intro this, give us some background on this, maybe some, some thoughts, uh, all the above? Um, you just want to bring this to the table and then we'll, we'll talk about it? And sure. hey, before you, before you do this for our students, especially those who have you, Mr. D., so students listening, I, I want you guys to know I feel your pain because Mr. D did to us what he does to you. He doesn't tell you what he's thinking about it. He doesn't tell yeah. his position on it. He just throws it out there. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, am, am, I, am I joining – are we joining teams on this? <laughs> or is he going to be against me and oppose me on this? What's that's, going on? And so, that's why I let you text first, Brett. <laughs> Well, more than once, I was like, I almost texted you. I'm like, where are you standing on this? And then I thought, no, he won't tell me because he's doing to us what he does to the kids. Yes, yes. And you know what? As as Mr. D is chair of the Bible department, I felt like this was a little bit of an evaluation here. <laughs> is this our assessment? That's what it is. Oh, oh boy, man. It well, drove so- me nuts. <laughs> I, I I mean I think your contracts came out after or before. <laughs> yes. So we we we've at least got a year, Brett. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. 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 All right. Well, once more before we get too serious. Taking notes. Yes. I printed this out so I could make some notes. Yeah. And this dang thing came out landscape and took nine pages, oh. and I'm so irritated hey, by it. Landscape. I'm nine just, pages. Mine was 12. <laughs> and you printed it for look, look how big the font, like. Oh, well, you didn't click wow. the print. What, did you? Oh, yeah, it's big font. It is big font. Yeah. Plenty of room for oh. notes. Yeah, plenty. <laughs> yeah. Plenty. Yeah. 
So th this cost me some money right here. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot to click. Wow. Not right. full color. Yeah, you're committed. You're committed to this because I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't <know. laughs> uh, All right. Yeah. So, so that, uh, nope. yeah, my wife uh, forwarded me this article and asked for me uh, for my thoughts, quite honestly, and I thought it would be an interesting discussion. Um, and basically, the Christianity Today article is uh, called. Yeah, for those who would like to look this up and, uh, um, you know, uh, fact check us, uh, according to the article, it's called uh, Justice Too Long Delayed. And uh, the uh, subtitle there, it's time for the church to make restitution for racial sin. Um, so most of the article uh, highlights and, and walks through the history or somewhat of the history of slavery in the United States that it. Uh, uh, really um, predated the United States as a country uh, here in the U.S. and uh, walks through, you know, some of the uh, aspects of slavery, some of what slaves went through and endured, um, and then um, talks about how the church, uh, a lot of the church was, especially in the South, was on board with slavery and defended slavery from Scripture uh, so uh, walking through that and walking through then um, really that or that slavery has a profound impact impact on the African American community uh, even today. So those uh, that impact of slavery impacts the the African community even in our country today and makes a, a case for that by showing the uh, disparity of the uh, wealth gap between uh, between races. And really, just to sum up the end, uh, you know, uh, they say it's, it's more than, it's time for more than just repentance, uh, asking for forgiveness for slavery, but also uh, that churches should uh, set up uh, funds uh, in order to help out uh, the African-American community, really because white Americans have benefited from slavery. And so since we've benefited from something that is a sin, we should then make restitution for it um, be, and, and help out the African-American community in tangible ways, like Zacchaeus funds that can be given to help people in need or provide you know, loans for small businesses or things like that. So really, that, I think that sums up the article uh, in general and uh, highlights the major points of the of the article and and it's coming from a you know a christian source so uh you know this is not coming from you know a secular organization but uh calling for the church to to do their part in you know reconciling the races yeah not only a christian perspective but from the president and ceo of christianity today yes right so um yeah yeah, that's the top of that leadership there. Um, so let's let's maybe just kind of take this in chunks. Um, how did you guys, what kind of thoughts were you guys thinking in response to uh, tracing the roots of slavery into maybe some contemporary institutions and systems today? As you read about, uh, he made a, he made a, a fascinating quote here. Um, well, I'm going to quote him, but he said, uh, only about 42% of white Christians believe the history of slavery 
continues to impact African-Americans today. So half of white people, almost half of white people, don't believe that slavery is still impactful on African-Americans today. Um, but this is what he goes on to say that I think is, is uh, profound. He says, yet slavery was a symptom of the virus, not the virus itself. Even after the abolition of slavery, the ideology that had supported and formed around slavery endured. The symptom passed, the virus persisted by mutating. And then he would go in to talk about Jim Crow laws and, and even what could even be um, around today that we might not even have eyes to see, um, uh, maybe how certain systems today continue to maybe uh, give advantage to white and disadvantage to to blacks. And so, um, yeah, so let me just hear your guys' thoughts. Um, do, do you think he made a good case? Do you have pushback on it? Um, were you convicted, eye-opened? Um, wh where, where were you guys at in processing kind of that thought? I, I think it's it's uh, <clears throat> all the above. <laughs> you know, um, it, it's always hard. I, I don't specifically seek out uh, to read or watch things about slavery necessarily. Um, I'm, I'm very interested in history. However, um, I, I always find it hard and I'm thinking of uh, boy, and I've told my students before the one, one picture, I think it's one of the worst images I've ever seen. I just can't stand it. Uh, the, the two teenage uh, African-American um boys that were lynched and they're sitting there hanging from the tree and all these white people um kkk members uh just sitting around there like celebrating it i mean it's just um it's like looking at pictures of the the holocaust you know just seeing evil um in the flesh <laughs> carried out undeniable um is is very hard um, I, when we, when we talk about, uh, <clears throat> the Exodus, um, and, and even for the seventh graders this year, I showed them a clip. Now it doesn't get too terribly graphic or anything, but, um, if you guys have seen, uh, which one is it? Glory. Uh, it's the one with, uh, uh, Denzel Washington. And it's about the first, uh, uh, black army regiment to fight in the civil war. Uh, to fight with the North and it shows how they were still treated. They were, they were freed and here they are giving their lives to, to fight now in, in a terrible war. I mean, by the way, I think of the revolutionary war, the civil war, I never would have wanted to fight. And I mean, if, if I don't want to fight in any war, but if I had to choose, I especially wouldn't want to fight in those wars. I mean, getting hit with a lead ball, you know, <clears throat> probably have to chop your leg off then because of it or whatever. I mean, just terrible, terrible stuff. Um, and but just to show how even the the white soldiers still treated this this regiment, um, but I show them the scene because I'm like you know here in Exodus when it talks about slavery I want us to see how ugly and terrible it is and you get a glimpse of it when uh, Denzel Washington is he's accused of stealing some food from the mess hall or something and so he has to publicly be punished uh, in front of everybody there in the camp and um, uh, the 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 one one of the the white um, 
uh, officers doesn't want it to happen. He thinks it's terrible. And, but Matthew Broderick, the, the general is like, no, we have to, I don't want my men to see that I'm weak. So they rip uh, Denzel's shirt off. And when they show his back, it's just like covered over with um, scars from just having his back whipped. I mean, his whole life. And, and anyway, so they show the whipping, they, but you can hear the whip hap hitting him, but they kind of show his face. And he just sits there and stares right, right at the general the whole time as it's happening. And it's like he's totally untouched by it because it's his life. You know, he's grown up that way. And finally, at the very end of the scene, like a t one tear just kind of rolls down his face, but he's still not even blinking. And it's just like, whoa, uh, you know, to, to degrade humanity. So, so anyway, all that to say, um, so reading this and reading just the descriptions of uh, what was done, and I think I had texted you guys, you know, I, I, I just, it's, it's hard for me to see how, how that even, I, I mean, it obviously happened, but just it's hard for me to imagine the enormity of, of sin and blindness, darkness, wickedness in a human to be able to do that to, to other human beings, and, and, and especially um, within the church. I mean, it's like when I, I'm just so blown away by it that, that anybody could be behind that, let alone somebody who's supposed to be a follower of Christ. Um, yeah. So anyway, those, those are my first initial thoughts, but then, you know, I have other thoughts dealing with some of the other right. uh, things. Right. So, yeah. I think, um, I mean, it makes sense what he says that, you know, that the um, slavery was only a symptom of the virus not the virus itself. And so it makes sense that, you know, um, getting rid of slavery or outlawing slavery cannot change people's hearts, right? So those, uh, those um, ideas are still uh, in their minds and uh, their feelings are still on their hearts towards the African-American community. And so it makes sense to me, and I totally agree with what he said um, about that, that quote, part that you quoted, Luke, just that it mutated into, you know, Jim Crow and, and, um, and um, you know, other racist policies, like, like, like what we, um, you know, learned about on the Chicago trip with uh, redlining, right. and not, you know, uh, in, you know, Chicago, where, you know, African Americans weren't able to buy homes in those communities and uh, we're not allowed to get mortgages. And so, so uh, it makes sense that, you know, you can't, you can't outlaw racism ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, trying to legislate, uh, you know, the way people think and, you know, you, you're never going to be able to do that. So I agree with them that it just mutates. Yeah. Yeah. And even, uh yeah, just to, to yeah, so redlining wasn't even done away with until what was it the seventies? Is that is that right, Nick? What you recall? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and to think about all the potential generational wealth that could have been accumulated that white people did accumulate, and to think about how that's been lost. I mean, um, I, I did an interview with CW actually. Um, and yeah. we're getting ready to release that. It's actually, it is up on my YouTube right now. We're going to email it out. Um, but he talked about how it, it was something crazy. It was a, just an absurd number, like $4 billion of 
African-American wealth was essentially robbed from them because of, uh, mm. in Chicago alone, uh, mm. because of redlining and some other laws like that. And that's, I mean, that's a, our, you know, that was our parents' lifetime. I mean, I, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it's not, it is not that far removed, you know. And, uh, and then also the fact that lynching became a federal, you know, <laughs> a federal crime this year in, in January. Now I've got this article pulled up right here from Gospel Coalition, Nine Things You Should Know About the Anti-Lynching Laws and Emmett Till. And uh, this is one of the things mm -hmm. he says here is, in 1900, uh, Representative George Henry White of North Carolina, the only African-American in Congress at the time, introduced the first federal anti-lynching legislation, le legislation. That bill failed, as did nearly 200 anti-lynching bills introduced in Congress during the first half of the 20th century between 1890 and 1952. Seven presidents petitioned Congress to end lynching. And between 1920 and 1940, the House of Representatives passed three strong anti-lynching measures, though none passed the Senate. The enactment of the Civil Rights Act of 1968 was the closest Congress came to the post-Reconstruction era uh, to enacting anti-lynching legislation. So we just, we just made it a federal crime this year. And, and so that, to think about why it was not a long time ago, I think says something that so has to be dealt with. What's that? that that's so that that was in in uh, regards to specifically um, in a, a context of murder. So that that doesn't have anything to do with um, um, the death penalty and, and capital punishment. Right. Correct. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're defining lynching. Lynching is the mob killing of a person suspected gotcha. of a crime done outside of the law. So this wow. is not That's being crazy. hung for, you know, right. being, you know, for murder or whatever. So process, right. Yeah, yeah right, wow. right, right. So and, and it probably it, it seems like at least we haven't heard about it happening in a while. Um, you know, I'm always trying to think why, why, why are you thinking something so crazy? And so I'm trying to maybe give the benefit of the doubt. Was it cause maybe they were thinking it just hasn't happened in a while, but cause, because that seems insane to me Yeah, that if, if that's what it's referring to, yeah. that should be wrong all the time, <laughs> you know, no matter, no matter what, because we are supposed to have the rule of law here in our country, not let the mob take care of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's insane. I, it is insane. Um, so I think all of us, it sounds like we're all we're all saying we see the horrors of racism in our nation's beginnings and how it has kept on in morphing and mutating into different ways, whether that's Jim Crow laws or redlining or whatever it is. So how do you guys um, how you guys process? the call for um, reparations from the church. Um, do you think he's on to something, but you come to a different conclusion? Are you saying, no, I don't know that it's really a justifiable argument. Are you behind him all the way saying, yeah, let's do it. Let's dive on into that puppy. <laughs> uh, I, I do take one issue with, um, he says, um, uh, the result of the story is a catastrophic wealth gap. The median net worth of black families in the United States today is one-tenth of the median net worth of white families. And um, 
I think we need to look a little bit deeper in those details. Mm. Um, because if you look up, you know, median income for, for, uh, by race, you know, Asians actually outperform whites as far as, uh, income is concerned. Um, so the disparity is, uh, is not as great as it makes it out from that. So, and, and I think there's, whenever you say, well, this leads to this, I, I think it's very easy to simplify something when there are other factors uh, involved in that. So um, I, I would hesitate to say, well, this has, this is the only thing that has resulted in this uh, gap. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just before we get to the end of the article, but yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, I agree with that. I think it's, I think it's just mo- way more complex than a stat of median income. Uh, Tim Keller in his book on generous justice, he does a great job, I think, kind of highlighting this. Uh, some other books, um, actually, wrote a paper on this a while back on intercultural studies on impoverished impoverished african-american communities and and whatnot and and it's complex and no one side tim keller does a great job making this point that the rights nor the left uh have the the full answer they're both dealing with different ends of a complex issue um in which uh you know because and as we've already talked about jim crow laws and things like that redlining because the the system and the government was not supporting the african-american community they had to look inward towards themselves they had to be a community within themselves and so there became a separation from you you don't call the cops perhaps when something's going on because they don't come to your neighborhood anyway and so you start to govern yourselves and so you start to police yourselves and that can look like uh, the development of gangs and things like that. And, right. um, and so, and so, it, you know, that's just one instance here of how maybe, uh, you know, where we got to, you know, and, and, and it'd be easy for maybe one, one party to look at uh, blacks and poverty and say, well, it's because of a broken down family structure or things like that, you know, it, it, and that's, that's missing the point as to how it got to that point. And, and how they were, how how black families were not supported in the same way uh, that that led to some of this breakdown in the first place. And and so, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just going around back to saying I, I think you're right, Nick, that this is just way more complex than just throwing out a a stat on on net median net worth. Um, there's a lot more uh, depth to the conversation than that. Uh, how about how about you, Brett? What are you thinking? Well, I I, I kind of wanted to pick up on that uh, what you mentioned too about the the broken down uh, families and and not saying how necessarily has happened, but um, that just seeming to to play a, a role. I, I looked into some things here uh, as far as just fatherlessness goes, and um, we have a a friend from uh, uh, that we met from Taylor, and he he's been trying to do a lot of ministry in the the black community, and he. Um, he, he really harps on this a lot and, uh, just from his own community and, um, and his own family experience and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I found it interesting. Check this out to, first of all, Tupac. Um, so Tupac Shakur said that I know for a fact that had I had a father, I'd have some discipline. I'd have more confidence. 
Your mother cannot calm you down the way a man can. You need a man to teach you how to be a man. And uh, so, so going into the whole, you, you said something about self-policing and the formation of gangs. Um, a lot of that, uh, or some of that, I'll just say a lot might be a strong, strong word, but some of that uh, probably because of you're looking for things like structure and protection. You're looking for things in the gang uh, that you don't get at home and that you're not getting because your father's not there. And so speaking of the fatherlessness, um, I've seen statistics anywhere from 60 to even up to 75% of African-American uh, within the African-American community families that are uh, fatherless or single parent homes. Yeah. So, and that, that's huge. And, and, and the, now, now hear me out. This isn't like, oh, well, that's, that's the only, that's why that's the whole issue right there. No, not at all. But when I'm reading this, I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to evaluate this through a biblical perspective and uh, look at God's design and look at what he set up and he set it up that way for a reason. And when we as humans, all of us, because there's stats on, so it's 58% Latino, 37% white, 21% Asian. So the smallest percentage is Asian. Okay. Now look at their culture and, and how, uh, they have honor and, and shame culture and all this kind of stuff. So maybe that's some of the reasoning why. But I'll just say they're doing better than we are, okay? So as far as that goes. But, but look at what we see when we reject God's original design and look at the ramifications. Because undoubtedly, um, I, I found this too. This was from, uh, uh, let's see. Oh, shoot. What's his name? I didn't write it down. Um, children, but, but children who grow up without a father, five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. Um, and, you know, I've showed my students one time before a, uh, a, um, a prison guard um, who, who is black and he's talking to a bunch of men. It's like at a promise keepers type thing. And he's talking to them about the importance of fathers and, and fatherhood. So, and, and I get it. This is just one one layer of, of what's going on with, yeah. with this whole issue. But, but I, I, so I just wanted to kind of pick up on that a little bit. Um, now I know she gets a bad rap partly because liberals, you know, just see her and they just want to dismiss her because first of all, she's black. Second of all, she's a woman. Third of all, she's a conservative Candace Owens. Mm -hmm. So naturally they're like, Oh, Candace Owens, whatever, you know, and we don't have any actual arguments to say why she's wrong or why we disagree with her. Uh, is what I've been seeing a lot. But she she brought this out that the welfare system, the government essentially says that if if we'll give you more money if you don't marry the father of your children. And she she brought that out. She said that that's not right because that's like in, incentivizing is the word that she used. Not only bad behavior, but it sets up an unbiblical and broken design for the family. Yeah. And I thought, wow, so there <laughs> there's another thing. Uh so 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 in all of this. But um so yeah. Um I have in other areas, I, I have more to say. I just wanted to kind of jump in on that with the whole single parent homes and, and broken families. And that's not just for African-American, but for all, for, for white, for Latino, for, for Asian, but African-Americans, all the sources I looked at had the highest percentage. Like I said, even up to like 75%. That's, that's uh, insane. That's, yeah. that's a lot. And it's sad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, even as we, think about why that is the case. I think it's, it's, you know, we don't want to paint any broad brush strokes um, because I think it's probably complex. And when I was talking to CW, mm -hmm. he was talking about 
how when COVID hit, uh, everybody ran to the supermarket, um, but the, uh, the assistance checks didn't come until the first of the month. And so people were going in when they finally got money and they were going into the grocery stores, they, uh, things were, the shelves were already wiped clean mm -hmm. and, um, and about how just because of the housing situation down there, people just have to live in really close quarters. And because of just the nature of a lot of those jobs for those folks, you know, living below the poverty line, a lot of them are still considered essential and you have to go into work. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of factors, uh, whether that is maybe unfair policing or whether that is the nature of the jobs that, that blacks were given or whatever that, that have been not supporting the family, but maybe pulling the father away in some areas. And then you also have the other issue as well, where um, family breakdown is a complex deal, I, th I think. And so I think we're just not, we're not painting a broad brushstroke on that, but we are identifying the, the significance, the significance of that um, for sure. So, and um, I think, yeah, go on. The, the, well, I was going to say, I think too, that just, yeah, because there's no way we're going to get this all figured out, <laughs> you know, obviously uh, today, but, but, but just, just as far as to, to, um, uh, it, it was kind of a, a, a big generalization, but just to show and to make the point that this is a multi-layered sure. um, issue and there, and there's many factors and, uh, and, and we're speaking specifically to the, the issue of reparations. Right. And, uh, you know, can we, uh, is, is there a way to say, okay, this amount you know, this much or whatever kind of a thing is what is owed due to um, racism mm. and uh, you know what I mean. And so, and, and all we have are the figures and the stats and, and, and our point is when we look at those figures and stats, um, it's not just because of racism that those right. figures and stats are what they are. There's multiple things yeah uh, taking place in there and it makes it so complex yeah and that's that's a yeah that's a really good point um and and so we would say too is just speaking to poverty mindset altogether this isn't about race this goes for any race that's living in poverty uh yeah. some of the mindset is is uh just very different from people who who are in different socioeconomic positions and so um what's her name uh there's a lady she wrote oh this book um she wrote this book on poverty i'm gonna just waste too much time tra trying to think of her name uh, but she it, <laughs> no. okay so. <laughs> she, uh, she made the point that uh for those who are who have wealth who are you know the one percent extremely wealthy their mindset is focused on the past and so they have to uphold this family honor that has put them in this position. They have to keep up the, the, the family name. They have to honor where they've come from by the way that they continue living at this elitist status. Um, people who live kind of in that middle, uh, middle income, their mindset tends to be forward focused on how do I uh, save some money? How do I put some money in, in, in a retirement fund so that I can be set up to, to retire and be okay? How do I, you know, pace my money to pay off my house? Things like that. It's it's future focused, but yeah. for those living in poverty, it's it's right it's right now focused. Is money isn't guaranteed tomorrow? Food isn't guaranteed tomorrow. 
So when I have, I spend. And that's just the mindset of poverty, again, not having nothing to do with skin color. That's just a yeah. poverty mindset. And so um, to think about if, if we have a, a high volume of, of folks living in poverty, um, I think we, if, if we were to consider reparations or assistance or help in any way, I think it needs to be very thoughtful. Um, again, not towards race. This isn't anything saying that, that, uh, that, that black people would be bad stewards of money if it were given to them, but to recognize the poverty mindset mm -hmm. and how an influx of um, just uh, you know, economic um, uh, just increase how that could, that could maybe not be the most helpful or loving way to benefit and to bless people. Right. Um, and and so, that with, you know, missions help in impoverished countries like Haiti. Yeah. That thrown billions of dollars into this country and they're no better off today. Yeah. Um, and so we're actually making people into beggars rather than pulling them out of poverty. Um, so rather than giving them the ability to be, you know, to learn skills or learn to be responsible, you know, um, stewards of, of what they have they're well, you know, I'm going to get taken care of by the American missionaries or whoever. And so, um, so it's the same kind of idea, like, okay, how do you, how do you right those wrongs without causing more wrong, uh, more problems. Right. Right. Yeah. What, what, so speaking of all the, the reparations, cause I, I've been curious to know, what'd you guys think about, um, his, his reasoning, his, uh, his biblical, uh, backing for reparations? Yeah, I, um, his rationale was uh, using the word uh, or the uh, example of Zacchaeus. And I didn't think that was the best example because here Zacchaeus was making amends for things that he had personally done wrong, his own sin. Right now, slavery may be our national sin, but you know, it's not something that I've personally done or I've, I may have benefited from it. But, but you don't see that, you know, you don't see the Apostle Paul telling those, uh, you know, uh, in the book of Romans that, you know, once you become a Christian, you need to, you need to right the wrong of Roman slavery, you know, that's going on right now in, in our, you know, in our community. Um, so I, I don't think that there, that is a apples to apples example with Zacchaeus. Um, and I, and I don't see that example where, well, you know, in, in, in biblical society, well, you know, the, the Jews had, you know, had amazing benefits, um, you know, because they took the promised land. Well, you know, I, or, or any other example that is equal to what he's asking us to do. I just don't see, like I said, you know, okay, well, was slavery wrong in the Roman Empire? Yeah. You know, uh, should that have been going on? No. But, but we don't see the biblical authors, you know, telling people once they become Christians, well, you have to write this wrong by, you know, by uh, 
by even freeing slaves, he doesn't say that, right? He says, he says, here's how you live as a result of the culture, as a result of the social structures. So yeah, I, I kind of didn't agree with that. Can, can we say too, like his, and, and uh, you, you were touching on, hitting on this already, but just uh, for the listeners specifically, the, the, the author of this article was saying that Zacchaeus was benefiting from as a tax collector he was benefit for for rome he was benefiting from this system and therefore he ended up giving all this money back because of benefiting financially from this system but the the author didn't didn't uh distinguish between how exactly was zacchaeus benefiting and what did he give back zacchaeus wasn't just benefiting because he was a tax collector for the romans he was as a thief right, he, yeah. he was ta- he was extorting money he was taking more than he was even supposed to for rome and all of that extra money that he was taking and keeping for himself he was he was giving that back than what he personally took it wasn't what he, he was doing as his job uh, for as as a Roman tax collector, and the author doesn't really mention that, and so um, it just seemed like he was starting with his ideological position, and he was trying to just find a, yeah. a passage that that helps support it, and 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 it doesn't, and 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 sadly, um, I I've been seeing too much of that from the church, and so when I during this whole discussion these this last month with race. You know, I, I seen, um, oh, who was it? Another guy. Um, here's another article. Five ways not to respond to Chicago's violent Father's Day weekend. You know, and it was, I'm not to go off track here, but um, he brings up, because he was from a, a Christian perspective, and he brings up the Beatitudes in the morning and, you know, blessed are those who mourn. And uh, he, uh, he, he just, was saying how we need to mourn and it's okay to mourn and that it's okay for those in Chicago to mourn. And because God promises he's going to lift you up and things like that. And uh, it kind of made me think too, then of Carl Lentz. Uh, So a video uh, some people were passing around uh, in our church actually uh, when, when George Floyd was murdered and this all came out in the news. Um, so this was a video back in 2016 of Carl Lentz. So if you don't know who he is, he's a, he's a Hillsong pastor over like in New York, you know, he's the real cool. He's, he's all like, you know, just, he he's, works he's what you and I want to be. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's <laughs> like cut. Like he looks, you know, he's like a surfer dude. He's all tattooed and he's got the trendy glasses, trendy hair. And he was like Justin Bieber's pastor or whatever. And, um, you know, I've had to show a video of Carl Lentz one time in church before uh, because of his position or his response on the view uh, to abortion. And uh, so so here's this video of him and he's like, Black Lives Matter. I said it, Black Lives Matter, you know, and and, uh, and, and I'm okay with that. You know, I'm like, good. Okay. Yeah, good. And, but then he like brings up, uh, you know, people today that are like, no, all lives matter. Here was his illustration. He's like, so they would be the same people like sitting there on the, at the Sermon on the Mountain. Jesus is like, blessed are the poor. And they're like, now, wait a second, Jesus, you know, blessed is everybody, you know, uh, but, but he, so he brings up the Beatitudes, but, but here, here's my point. It seems like what the church is doing now, uh, and we've talked about progressive Christianity a little bit, is they're taking the Beatitudes and they're taking these passages and turning them into rather than gospel, uh, Jesus's gospel or gospel of the kingdom passages, it's social justice now. Mm. And so this whole blessed are the, those who mourn, 
this Christian put in this article and a pastor shared it. That's how I found it. A, a senior pastor I know of shared it in here. Scripture just being totally ripped out of context and being applied to mean something that has to do with social justice when it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, here is Christianity Today's president taking a passage of scripture, Zacchaeus, and, and really sort of manipulating it to meet a social justice need uh, for today. Um, and then Carl Lentz doing the same thing. Jesus didn't say blessed are the poor, like if you don't have an, a lot of money, it was blessed are the poor in spirit, <laughs> mm. for they shall see the king. I mean, he has to follow it out. What does it say? But for they sh- they shall see the kingdom of God. So you're telling me now, if I'm poor, I'm saved. <laughs> you right. see what happens? We we just pervert it and and we make it this social justice gospel rather than something that is far greater <laughs> than that. That is going to free us from our what we're all enslaved to and and the ultimate slavery and and that's to sin and so anyway i just wanted to bring that up and um no i i'm with you i think the zacchaeus was really being used as a proof text for this i would have found myself more persuaded if he would have taken the argument of um because white folks have benefited from being able to accumulate generational wealth um, that therefore, and acknowledging that, that our black brothers and sisters have not, um, that, that we need to be gracious, um, that we need to be generous, um, that we need to, um, see to the benefit of all, especially the marginalized and the oppressed. I would have been far more persuaded by that argument than by just kind of turning Zacchaeus into a proof text for social justice. Um, because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't even have, I, I mean, I, I kind of dig the, the Zacchaeus fund idea in, in thinking about like, you know, where are there maybe, um, where's their generational pro- poverty in our community that we could help alleviate um, some of the, uh, some of the barriers and difficulties to see, uh, you know, growth and success. I'm all about that. I'm all about the church. Um, maybe having a family in poverty and saying, let's, let's rally together for some college tuition here because, yeah. because they're not able to do it on their own. Yeah. And, and that's, that's totally in line with the heartbeat of, of the Christian throughout scripture of God's Absolutely. people. Um, we see that throughout in the book of Acts. So I think, that's a, I think that would have been a, a more persuasive approach, in my opinion, um, to, to compel me. And, and again, I am compelled. It's not that I need compelled, I, I'm, but the Zacchaeus, I, I I felt that it wasn't uh, a proper exegesis of the text, an application of the text. And, and I think that you make a really good point, Brett, that when we start getting into patterns of taking scripture out of context, um, then we're just using any passage as a proof text for whatever cause it is. Um, and then all of a sudden we're, we're, we're finding proof texts in scripture for LGBTQ Oh, yeah. um, whatever rights yeah. as well and reparations there and things like that. And so, um, oh, yeah. I think, I think we start a, a dangerous slope, um, <laughs> when we don't, when we don't draw out the biblical truths from scripture by handling scripture appropriately. Yes. And so, yes. 
Yeah, I in fact, you you mentioned that just uh, earlier, um, less than a week ago, on Christianity Today's uh, Facebook page. I was uh, getting into it a little bit with some some a couple of gentlemen on the LGBTQ issue, you know, uh, mm. situation and uh, dealing with the. Uh, Supreme Court decision that uh, boy, I'm sure we'll be talking about in some podcasts <laughs> coming up. Uh, you know, because we're we're going to see the the implications of this, you know, in the future and what this is going to mean. But but yeah, yeah uh, going back and forth with that, and like you said, it, the the gentleman that that wanted to actually discuss it, um, I knew right away. I knew right away what his position was going to be, and sure enough, turns out he admits it himself. He doesn't believe in inerrancy. And, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's what it all turned to, and so I. I showed him again biblically how he was incorrect on his stance with homosexuality, but you know, and then I then I just told him gently, respectfully. I said, I I could show you all of this, and it's not going to matter to you, because um, the Bible is not uh, God's authoritative word. So uh, his his you know it won't matter. Nobody is going to find him. But his name was Ken, and you know I said God's not on the throne. Uh, Ken's on the throne. You get mm-hmm. to pick and choose. Uh, what is authoritative? And so then when I pushed him on uh, how, do, how do you do that? What standard of measurement do you use as to which passages are true and right and correct that are God's word? And, and right. of course, he, you know, he, the he, ones he, I like. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then that's when you get the whole response. Well, we, we, we're going to go on and on all day. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. And I'm thinking I, I, I was going to re- reply again, but because it was going on for a while, but I was like, no, this isn't agreeing to disagree. This is just flat out rejecting the word of yeah. truth. And uh, you know, so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have I, we, yeah, go on. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, there's, there's so much more to this, this, this issue and, and maybe, you know, maybe in some future ones we can, uh, you know, talk about it. Cause I, I, I actually, I found a list of one of the leaders um, <laughs> of black lives matter and what their demands are for reparations and uh, uh, some more. And how, how are we actually, how can we actually go about that? But I wanted to talk to maybe sometime we can do this cause here you guys will be proud of me. <laughs> so uh, speaking of books, which we weren't. <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. Some, uh, so yeah, on the way in the mail right now, I got uh, white fragility is on the way. Yeah, really. Um, I, yeah. I saw that that was the number one yeah. bestseller on Amazon Kindle. Is that right? It's one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah white okay. fragility. And, uh, then a, a past student, I don't know if she's listening or has been listening to. So, so she, uh, uh, Jess, Jess Custer. So she, uh, man, I, I, I miss her and her classmates. Um, but she, she sent me a message, uh, yesterday and was like, Hey, you need to check this book out. It's called The Color of Compromise. And so I've got that one on the way too. I told her I'd check it out and, and look at it. And, uh, but that's on the way. And, um, but speaking of like just white fragility and, and some of the, the church uh, pastors that have been on board with things like that, maybe we can get into that a little bit, you know, too, because I think uh, yeah. uh, there's, there's a, a worldview <laughs> that is underlying um, that position. And, uh, so that's, that's what I, I don't have, again, you know, I don't have all the answers. Um, but that's what, what's been taking up a lot of my time is, um, just researching this, uh, critical race theory. And, yeah. uh, is this something because really, and, and I, I'm, I'm going to venture out to say, I think Christianity today is coming from that perspective. Yeah. 
Um, even though there's good things in there that we all agreed on, I think they're coming from this perspective of critical race theory. And so, um, and then we hear terms like intersectionality and uh, of course, white privilege and uh, things like that. And it's like, what, what is all of, so I, I've been trying to get a, a accurate understanding of all of these things um, before I can decide whether, you know, should Christians jump on board with this? Um, you know, should we be, promoting this in our pulpits, <laughs> you know, kind of a thing. So anyway, uh, there's a lot, lot there. Yeah. I've been driving myself nuts. <laughs> there, there is a lot there. That's a, yeah. that yeah. is a complex one. And yeah, maybe one worth certainly revisiting um, in the future for sure. Yeah. I'll be curious to hear what kind of reflections <laughs> you you garner from your, <laughs> from your new reading well at the same time i'm also researching get this this is my fun one aliens of course so of course uh, of course yeah. and, they're and probably the, the master manipulators behind all of 2020 <laughs> that's right they are they, they totally are oh man so pray for me that i don't go off on the deep end no I, i'm only doing that because um uh jeff durbin so jeff durbin and james white and apologia church uh they they have a podcast uh, well, James White's not really in it, but um, it's called Cultish, and they spent some um, some of their their podcast episodes on uh, some of the extraterrestrial stuff, and that you know we're hearing in the news and and with the New Age. Totally. Really, they did it, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, they did multiple episodes. I, I reached out to them and uh, said, "Hey, you guys haven't mentioned Heiser in any of this, but it you have. Are you guys reading this? And it would give a good uh, ancient." civilization ancient near eastern and even old testament backing to some of this what you guys are already finding with modern day stuff and all this and so uh jeremiah is one of the uh podcast guys and he he replied to me and said he's currently reading uh heiser's demons right now and so oh, very good. anyway so yeah yeah did, it's, did, it's, he, did he include any early uh uh thoughts on it from him are they liking the demons book? Oh, no, he, he, he just, he said, well, I'm reading it right now. And he said, I'm taking it slow. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah. So I, I went ahead then and took the liberty of saying, you know, a couple of things that I maybe disagreed with, with Heiser, but for the most part, I, I told him, I, I said, I think the general overall picture is, is, uh, yeah, He's, he makes a good case. So. Well, I tell you what, you and I, we might need to be doing a special ep on <laughs> Heiser and unseen realm. Hey, uh, yeah, biblical theology and whatnot because sure. uh, i'm gonna make you a little jealous right now brett and i'm uh -oh. sorry i'm sorry to have cool. to do this to you but it's because <laughs> of family connections that i find myself in the position that i'm in i am reading through unseen realm and then i'm yes. going to knock out angels and demons next yeah uh, because i'm going to be presenting on it to my father-in-law's business group what um, yeah yeah wait, yeah so, wait what what's the okay a business yeah His so business group what? they're christian businessmen and they are some top-notch guys, uh, really, I mean, sound guys, uh, love Jesus. And I've gotten the opportunity. So I went and talked to them on uh, Old Testament um, deals, especially after the Andy Stanley deal and whatnot, and um, <laughs> talked to them about Canaanite genocide, some different views there, yeah. uh, Greg, Greg Boyd. Um, so I yeah. went and presented to them on all that about a year ago. And so they're having me back in, I think it's early September sometime to present on this because I got Supernatural, the, uh -huh. uh, the kind of the abridged layman's version yes. of Unseen Realm. I got that for my father-in-law for uh, Christmas and he, and he said he, he enjoyed it, but he wanted to hear things 
condensed more from the thicker book and mm. expanded on. And then he wanted some Q&A time for him and the guys. And so I'm going to do an hour-long presentation, and then I'm going to field half an hour of Q&A. And, okay. Uh, what time do you want me there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It'll be 7 o'clock. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, That's so awesome, one of them, man. Good for you. That's if I can great... give a shout-out to local businesses here, um, one of the businessmen is the owner of Baker Street, Proximo and um, Hoppy Gnome, James Kahn. And wow. so they, they have their meeting at Proximo and there's Proximo breakfast. So that's where I really, Ooh. that's where I'm the winner. <laughs> that's why you're that, doing this actually. A, I mean. a, you know what? I would do it even if I had to pay to do it. <laughs> I would give those guys a couple bucks, not that they would want it for me, but I'd give those guys a couple bucks to go present on this stuff. But I happen to make out with a, uh, you know, a pretty good breakfast in the process. Yeah, so, that's awesome. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So all that to say, um, I, I wouldn't mind having some dialogue with you on the, on the, on the book as I move through it some more. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. I'm familiar. I've listened to podcasts from him. I've, I've watched the documentary, but I haven't gone through the book, but the footnotes are just exceptional. <laughs> it's like an entire, it's like a separate book, the footnotes yeah. alone. And, and I'm telling, so right now I'm reading dark secrets of the new age. <laughs> so uh, just, you know, um, trying to see what I can get on this, but, but I got to say, probably what I enjoy most about this book right now is not really any footnotes. <laughs> so <laughs> I can just read it. Yeah. So Kaiser's yeah. books. Yeah. They're so, uh, the so foot, thick. The footnotes are so long that I'll read the footnote and then I'll forget what the paragraph was <laughs> saying that I was reading and I have to go yes. back and read the paragraph again. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's not just you. You know, I, I got one more book of his that I got to read. Yeah. That's a part of that whole, it, it's not really, uh, so it's the unseen realm angels and then demons. But uh, what came out, I think maybe after the unseen realm, he did one called reversing Herman. Oh. And so it's dealing with more of, so it's, it's in that same realm, but dealing with more, it might have some more um, end game <laughs> end time stuff in it. But you know, his whole thing as you're seeing with, with Mount Herman, Oh man, fast. By the way, did you get to the part yet? Uh, the whole Peter, you're you know you're upon this rock. I will build. No, uh -uh. okay. No, I just started reading this week. Okay, I'll wait then. <laughs> okay. Oh boy. <laughs> because it, yeah, because you and I have discussed that one before, uh, yeah. just briefly, and uh, yeah, he's he's got a take on that that's uh, fascinating. Are Are you persuaded by it? I think so. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes, I, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I basically believe whatever, you know, I read. So yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it has to do with aliens. It's true. <laughs> no, <I> just, <laughs> anything paranormal. It's, oh, it's yeah. real. <laughs> no, yeah. I just, but yeah, it's good. It's good. I, I think he's, he's onto something with that, but it, uh, um, it, it goes, <laughs> sorry. I just got a text from Nick, <laughs> by the way, listeners, Nick had the, he has to leave early sometimes, but he just texted me. He said, by the way, I heard Bob is, we may no longer have a department head, so your jobs are safe. So we're good, Luke. <laughs> so our department head, Nick, is not going to fire us. Thank you, Nick. Uh, oh, oh so. I see that text. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, anyway. okay. So I guess we can get back to saying what we really think then. Right? We don't have to live under the oppression of, of Nick. Yes. yes. Right, man. Yeah. Talk the, about. The, the papal authority of the Bible, Bible department at yes. Lakewood Park. Yes. Talk about so. power plays, man. So anyway, so yeah, right. reversing Herman. I got to read that yet. And uh, yeah, so good stuff. I'm glad you're, you're, you're getting into that. Yeah. I, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on it too. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, with that, we should probably wrap up this episode, though it could probably go a lot 
longer. Oh, and yeah. I wouldn't be upset about that. <laughs> but for our listeners, knowing that they have attention spans yes. uh, that, that we want to respect to some degree, we yeah. will call it all a show. And I got to say to my girls, they, their movie's done because I can hear in the other room oh, oh, oh. completely oh. quiet. The house is completely quiet right now. So next, next podcast cast episode, I will, I'll let you know what I find. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And we'll call that a wrap.